You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, Mrs. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel, and today we'll we'll go straight into my interview for this week because it was uh, an interesting interview. It was about uh, Mother Mountain. It's a movie that uh, it was shot up in uh, New South Wales uh, above Sydney, so it's a very uh, Australian film. And uh, I spoke to Selena Stang uh, about it. She this is her first. Uh, feature. It isn't her first film, but it's her first feature. And uh, it covered a lot of ground. Mother Mountain's a very interesting uh, uh, film. And uh, I'll uh, let Selena expand on why I say this. So, Mother Mountain, uh, tell me about your adventure into making this film. Oh, my God. Well, it, it, it took place over a number of years. I first started writing the script in 2018, and it was initially a very cathartic experience um, or for the, for, the, for the desire for catharsis around some difficult family issues that I was working through. Um, and as I explored deeper into... Um, what was going on in the family dynamics. I was looking at a lot of um, literature around intergenerational trauma. So I come, my four grandparents come from a Jewish background in Poland and Lithuania, and they were all Holocaust survivors. And what I noticed, um, and there hadn't been much dialogue amongst my friends and community, is a patterns of... Um, as a result of genocide um, and, and intergenerational trauma, that on a DNA level, um, it can be carried through the generations. But um, particularly from my parents' perspective, who were raised by Holocaust survivors, that there was this kind of tendency towards catastrophization, enmeshment within family of over-identification with children's lives and a lot of paranoia. So um, I then uh, moved when I was pregnant. I'd actually bought a, a property in an area of South Coast, New South Wales, which is a very strong UN community, um, an Aboriginal tribal area of the far south coast of New South Wales. And we bought a home at the foot of a sacred mountain that in um, Aboriginal UN language is called Gulaga, and she's referred to as the Mother Mountain here. And so, um, some 
becoming a new mother myself and um, trying to resolve issues with my own mother um, and and I guess elements of identity around that um, was where the film kind of started. So there's quite a lot of elements of personal truth um, in the film. And it, you know, as I was exposed to the area, that I wove elements of that as well into the story and it became its own story. Mm, yeah, the, the themes are very strong, aren't they? And there's parallels between... Uh, the personal uh, identity crisis that the uh, lead character is experiencing, as well as the uh, learning um, from the wisdom of people who are a very generous uh, First Nation family that she meets. Yeah, well, I, 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 I think that the... the being born into this country as I guess a, child, a grandchild of refugees it was such a random kind of uh, where you move to and have connection to that country and that land doesn't really exist because it is such a random process you could end up in America or Europe so the main character having difficulties within her own family is so uh, intrigued by the grounded kind of uh, connection to country that the Ewan family have. And having gone through, I mean, the, the entire film looks at the kind of parallels of this Jewish family and Aboriginal family that meet through their children. And they seem to have very little in common and they discover they actually have genocide in common. For <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. pretty awful. <laughs> Uh, yes, it's not something that you'd imagine would be such an intrinsic bonding um, thing. But I think I was looking at things of, of the mother as a biological one and becoming a mother and all the preoccupations and anxieties around getting that right and not carrying the baggage that you have from your own childhood into to, to your children and transferring that across, but also connection to country as a, as a form of, you know, Mother Earth. And, 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 and I think even nationally, we've experienced our disconnect of, of Australian identities around our rejection um, early on historically of, uh, of the First Nations people and their culture. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've always been intrigued by the Stolen Generation where you look at the government has had such a patriarchal kind of infantilization of the, the, the indigenous people and looked at the differences rather than something they could learn from as something that they were so threatened by. And that has had a parallel in my own personal life where I have such a different value system to my parents growing up and there was such a need and desire to control and fear of the differences and I think that you know embracing those differences if we did that as a nation we would be at a very different place with our own Australian identity and finding my own identity within that context was about trying to find connection to land and country having not had my roots there and the UN culture here is very continuous and alive um, very strong. Let's look at the first part, which is uh, because in the film, these films, have, uh, these themes are, are teased out. But to begin with, it's really focuses on uh, what the outside world sees 
as her behaviour, while she her, and and also how she is experiencing the world outside, but she's really not sure of what all the reasons are for why she's so discontent. But how powerful that sort of anti, in inverted commas antisocial behaviour uh, can um, uh, cause quite outrageously negative outcomes. Yeah, well, I, I mean, my favourite line in the film is how do you make things better when the main character asks Mary, the Indigenous mother, and she says, you just don't make things worse. And it seems such a simple, you know, truth or dictum, but it's so hard to practice when there is this kind of um, bottomless emptiness, I guess, in her. So she, the, the, from a position of grounding and substance and fiber, you can draw on those powers to, to not, not, not only not make things worse, but create. And I think that the main character has a real problem with with creating or being certain of anything because she still has to resolve uh, who she is. Um, and, and as the biggest part of resolving that is her finding healing and, and love for her family, which is what we discover towards um, the, the latter of the film without wanting to you know, give away too much. Yeah, so that I mean that is a very powerful uh, process that goes on in the film, uh, and uh, and you're right, it's a very um, interesting um, intergenerational uh, female story, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, um, I think it's playing out all over the world. It's been never been more timely looking at transgenerational trauma. I, I I think in the Ukraine and and looking at people like Putin who have such strong masculine presences that um, healing some of the matriarchal issues, I guess, and archetypes in our, in our world on, on a, a number of levels is the key to moving forward and prospering as as a world and as people and it, it, it filters down through I guess um you know on the macro and micro. So I think I mean my the, the main character struggles with the power of the mountain, which you know, she can't sleep at night. Uh, that 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 is something we actually experienced moving here. Um living at the foot of this sacred mountain is like what the indigenous talked about that people weren't meant to live at Mount Warning, for example, in Byron. You know, there are there are strong presences, um, and in Western cultures and in Australia as a nation, we've just kind of built roads and done things without giving much credence to these things. But um, the main character personally just feels very strong um, disturbance around how strong the energy is, and. Um, she's trying to run away from Pushta and repress uh, parts of her life that um, and come to find a new a new existence. But you can't run from your past without having that healing first. So the mountain, I, I guess, is a very strong. She I wrote her as a very strong character in the film. She's the backdrop, and she's also a dormant volcano. So metaphorically, she she brings up all the repressed. Stuff till it explodes and from the pieces they can find and weave a new way of being 
Well, you were blessed with a, a fantastic um, environment to shoot this film in. Yes, it's it's such a beautiful place. I mean, it's it's the far south coast has a huge fishing industry, which we drew on in the film. That is fascinating because so many people don't know of this area. Um, besides the mountain being sacred, um, there's a Stonehenge at the top with these huge granite tours, um, and we've all heard of Alice. You know, we've all heard of Uluru and Alice Springs, but not many people know in Sydney that just down in their own state is the sacred mountain and that most of their fish from the Sydney fish markets comes from this area too because it's the closest drop-off to the continental shelf for fishing. So there's um, such an interesting contrast of absolute beauty of beaches and coastline and rugged nature and sacred places and and then you've also got the fishing and other elements to it which we found really interesting um and again my cinematographer when he arrived he's polish radek Latsug, and he was just blown away he'd never seen anything like it and also this part of the world hasn't really been shown much in cinema there was a a comedy in the besides a, a comedy in the late 80s the man who sued god um but since then and, and it was never, none of the places were referred to by name as Bermagui or, you know, was made into an allegorical script. So this is probably the first film to kind of, all the, film, all the places are given their own names. And I, I felt really strongly about doing that, even with my sons in the film. Like there's so much of my own blood, sweat and tears in this film. It's actually quite frightening. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend doing it again, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Your actors are very strong, I'll have to say. Yeah, we were very, we got a great cast together. I I think the dynamics in the film, in the, straight away I always wanted somebody to play the grandmother Linda um, for her to be a likeable character so she wasn't two-dimensional. And I always had Anne Lambert um, in mind who was in Picnic in Hanging Rock. And since playing... Miranda in that huge, you know, role um, that um, she had become a psychotherapist, and so she was really drawn to the kind of complex dynamics and psychological interdynamics of the family. Um, but she brought such softness, and because it, it's 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 not a it was the the film was about healing. There was no black and white. It wasn't about the polarity that this is wrong or that is right. The, the main character, who I've put a lot of myself into, is far from perfect. If anything, she's agit nauseatingly um, indecisive and uh, you know just struggling with the bare simplest of things, which can be quite tedious to see. But she's flawed, and that's the way life is. And exploring what lay underneath is what the film is truly about because um, it's the only way forward really as a community. Well, that was actually really fa fabulous, the the healing quality of this film, I'll have to say, rather than a black and white sort of, uh, I mean, uh, cutting yourself off from your family is, you carry your family with you. So that's a non-answer, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that was like that she's shooting herself in the foot, and that's why she struggles. Um, I think it's important to face your demons, both as a way to, you know, resolve family conflict and hurt, but also as a pathway to addressing historical persecution as a community. So in the Jewish community I grew up in, I, I, for, for one, I've never seen a Jewish family in Australian cinema before addressed. I certainly haven't ever seen Jewish and Aboriginal um, trauma as something connected um, in cinema before either. And I, I guess searching for my own answers in trying to find my own healing and I needed to do that as a mother when I had a child was looking at the whys. And in my own, in the Jewish community, there seemed to be a lot of perfectionism and um, a desire for, I guess, overachievement, which is a Darwinian thing when you've gone through genocide, um, which a lot of the Australian Jewish community, probably 80% have come from Europe. They they weren't, you know, they've, they've come post-Holocaust. Um, and so I wasn't interested in perfectionism. I was interested in truth because, you know, it, it can all look great on the outside, but um, if it's run within, there's... <laughs> is, there's there's problems and and I hoped that you know once I was talking to friends I realized that other people had gone through similar things and similar dynamics around power I guess and control and it's not a choice we make I don't think you know my own family issues um, were my family absolutely loves me and have been incredibly supportive of the film because we have done our healing and our way forward. But if no one discusses these things, uh, I guess they just will fester. Well, there's a fantastic line, isn't there? I mean, I, I praised it. I have a habit of doing this, but take your eyes off the ball for a second and the world falls apart. Yeah, well, um, I mean, that was something my grandmother never liked to talk about her experiences during the war. And the only thing she'd repeat over and over and over again was, I don't know. And I know this was the one thing that really, you know, was a, just she couldn't ever resolve. And I, and I can understand why she would say, I don't know who was holding my little brother's hand in the gas chamber. And, and she, because she was, he was sent away on his own and he was Marco's age. Um and not knowing his last moments or the terror of whatever went on, you realize there was so much forgiveness when I realized my, my, I'm such a free spirit. And my, in my own personal life, my, my mother has been very kind of, um, you know, the, the, the need for order and control is, is a big one. And, and, and I had such a beautiful understanding when I realized, you know, I, I, it, this has been in her blueprint and DNA from her own mother from the get-go, and it's not surprising, really. I mean, you started writing the film in 2018, but, of course, making a film is very practical when it comes down to it. So how did you get your money, and uh, how did it all happen? Yeah, it comes to being... Well, we once I finished the script, I was sending it to various producers um, that I knew, and we raised initial funds with a very successful campaign on ACF, which is called the Australian Cultural Fund, and they raise um, money for the arts 
uh, whether it be theatre, you, you post the project you're doing. Um, and we did a campaign for the film and we, you know, it was very strong messaging around its substance being the first Australian kind of Jewish and Aboriginal intergenerational trauma um, film where we were exploring those themes and we just had an incredible response from there and following on from that we had some support from Screen Australia and I hope that also follows through in the future um, and it just kind of that's where the ball got running and then I guess also this area had a lot of we had the bushfires and they were double barreled then with COVID so a lot of a lot of the tourism fell away um, and so we had a lot of support from local ministers here, even in trying to... We, we shot during COVID, so trying to get Radek Latsug, who shot uh, the Babadook, and he shot the Nightingale, um, which were just incredibly well-received films, but they're Australian, um, and they also deal with Indigenous um, themes around genocide, and... Um, and also he'd done a lot of experience with children. So um, I'd worked with him before on a documentary in 2019 in Europe called a documentary film called Love and Genocide. And getting him into Australia during that time, we needed, um, we, we got letters of ministers, local ministers to, to write. Um, and that was a huge undertaking that we were very successful in which 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 was wonderful um because yeah he he was such a huge part of this film's success and beauty he's very intuitive he's very sensitive um having and he's got a very kind of i don't want to say feminine energy but he's always worked with female directors and as my first feature it was very important to me that you know to have a, a shorthand with somebody who you know he just read my mind you know, with one look that we've got we just had had such a rapport for a long time that working together gave me so much confidence to do the film with him well i suppose as a first time director uh this must be you must have learned a lot about what you want to do in the future oh absolutely i think um there's it's such a collaborative effort to work on a film and um, I can be quite, uh, as a writer, I guess, I'm probably more, I identify more as a writer than a director. Um, obviously, I now have some good directing kudos under my belt, but I think that if I would, you know, my the things I would learn taking forward into a new project is never to dilute your vision and that steadfast kind of um, you, steadfast kind of belief in yourself and your own story and allow that to shine through every step of the way because there's so many practical issues of financial things and locations cropping up and there's all kinds of comp- compromises you you can make or you feel the need to make and I think that you really have to address what why you're making the film and let the story hold you tight on that path um, because I think as, and also as a first time director you, you'll have 
people who will say they know better than you. I had a lot of very experienced <laughs> um, male um, collaborators um, that were wonderful. So I had Mark Warner, who just finished editing on Elvis, and he's won an Academy Award for Driving Miss Daisy. And, you know, they will impart so much uh, wonderful experience. And then there's other, um, um, I guess, more difficult experiences you can have where people will say, I know better than you. And actually, if it's a very personal story, my experience is they don't. Um, and at times during the film, you're so tired and you're under-resourced in terms of sleep and stress it starts to kick in. And so um, it was interesting just before I, we started filming, actually, my producer got me on a call to Jane Campion and she talked to me for an hour and she said, everyone will try and push you this way and that way and you'll be, you'll feel, you know, seduced to listen to this solution or that. But at the end of the day, no one, no one really knows this story like you do. And they might be well-meaning, they might be not well-meaning, whatever political reason or or practical reason there may be, at times you can bend like a willow and at other times you'll need to be rigid and you need to fight for your story. And I think I did that in the main. Um, I think I could have done it even uh, more vehemently and I wish I had at times. Um, the it, it, it wasn't a perfect one, my experience in making a film. It was a really confronting experience filming in my own home, because when I wrote the film, we weren't actually living here. And during COVID, we relocated here. So it was quite an unsettling, um, bizarre experience to kind of cast, you know, some people, some characters were autobiographical, some weren't. And, you know, even if there were resonances of truth, you know, it's still just a character. But um, it is strange having certain scenarios played out like that and I, I underestimated emotionally the impact of that I guess um, but it was cathartic it was very interesting and I guess my cast as well they were so brilliant I mean I was so lucky to be working with really great actors who had so much empathy and compassion and love for the story and so they really supported it and protected me at times through that. Well it's great because uh, it's all about confidence and grit isn't it? A lot of it is. I mean, I, I actually think it's so important to, uh, to to channel into the power of softness, that feminine power. I, th I think as a female director or even in, I, I don't, I've never worked in corporate world, but women often feel like they need to, you know, get the balls on and get strong. And I really went the other way where I'd get quite quiet and I'd like to listen and be receptive because you know, there's so many things going on in the set and you're trying to tease out these very sensitive emotional truths and, you know, you've got lights and things falling and people screaming, getting upset or, or <laughs> things not coming through. And, you know, I think that there's a strong need for feminine power and, and, and it's not all about being didactic and forceful. Yeah, well, um, what's happening to the film now? When, when's it uh, getting its theatrical release and what are you expecting? Sure. Um, so it was really well received at the Jewish International Film Festival that is just finishing up now. 
And it's also um, won a few awards, which is great. It won a can, the Cannes World Film Festival Best Narrative Feature. And it will be released nationally on the 27th of April um, in various cinemas across the country. And I'm very excited that it will also get a local release at the Naruma Kinema so that people in this area will get to be a part of that too. Um, yeah. Well, congratulations and thank you very much thank for speaking you. to me. Thank you. It was a joy. Thank you. Have a lovely day. And uh, that was Selena Stang. Uh, she was talking about her film, Mother Mountain, and as she said, it will be released in cinemas later in April. So get a, you get a chance, buy a ticket, go and have a look. Coming up next is Published or Not, and uh, David is actually live in the studio for the first time this year, I think. But anyway, we'll go out with uh, Waving Goodbye by Lou Bennett and the Sweet Cheeks. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.